What's up, BBN? Welcome back to the Kentucky Connection Pod. Uh, we have been MIA since the Florida football game. I've not had an episode out. And with all the stuff going on with Kentucky sports lately, all this controversy, all this crazy stuff going on, I figured it is time to bring the pod back and hopefully I'll be able to stay consistent with it. But today we are coming back with a bang with a huge guest, Matt Sack, uh, host of the Courtside Connect Pod and Rub to No Good, writer for cats coverage matt is one of the most well-known kentucky fans on twitter bbn twitter uh and just the uk media scene as a whole how you doing today matt yeah i'm doing good i'm glad you're getting back on your podcast getting the listeners what they want i wish we had a better reason for (laughs) coming together today i wish we had something more fun to talk about but you sent me what we're going to talk about, so we're, we're, we'll end it on a fun note. A couple of fun yeah. notes, but a yeah. uh, little little bit of doom and gloom. But you know, we got to stay positive because if we don't, we'll we'll end up uh, going crazy. Like half of this fan base has ended up going crazy, and I don't know. I can't bring myself to get to that point. Um, but to just segue immediately into the doom and gloom, uh, the number one conversation amongst Kentucky fans right now, the fan base, and honestly, like the media as a whole, everybody at this point is talking about it. The John Calipari at Kentucky conversation, you have a group of fans, a segment of people who want him fired immediately. You have some people who are kind of middle ground and they want to just see how things play out. And, you know, they think that a Hall of Fame coach has earned the benefit of the doubt to try to turn this around. And then you got some people who just refuse to uh, uh, acknowledge any of Cal's faults. And, you know, as, as some people like to call them, the sunshine pumpers. Uh, on Twitter so I mean where do you stand in that in that whole conversation and and what do you think about it as all yeah if you follow my Twitter you know I'm definitely closer to the sunshine pumper but even last night um we're recording this on January 11th so last night was the 10th when we played South Carolina I was at that game and if, if you watched it on TV it was even worse in person the crowd was great the crowd was getting going but like every time we would get going it would be like deflating three that South Carolina would hit. It'd be a missed layup for us. It'd be a turnover for us. And it just like, it felt like the Cal era was coming to an end literally right before my eyes. I'm front row in the student section. So like 10 feet in front of me, it literally felt like my childhood, the Cal era, everything was just coming to an end. And, and it just, it sucks. It really does. Um, I'm going to support the team regardless. I'll be in the front row every game cheering as loud as I can I'm going to support the players as much as I can but I'm not gonna also sit back and pretend what we're watching is okay because it's not okay I've again I'm a sunshine pumper I've defended Cal in the past um like the COVID season all right it was COVID whatever last year lost St. Peter's but it's injuries this year I don't have an excuse what we're watching is just inexcusable and it even my very positive self is having a hard time finding good in this Right now I'm, I'm along the same lines. I've kind of been in the middle, I'm more in the middle where it's like, I'm fine criticizing Cal where it's due, but at some point, you know, there, there are people who just everything, think everything is his fault and they refuse to look at the context surrounding certain situations. Like I, and I was going live uh, today and people were like, Oh, you know, we've gone five years without a tournament win. And I'm like, okay, well let's look at the context surrounding it. Like the 2019 team, that's one of the best teams in the country. Who knows what that team would have done, and it got canceled because of the of COVID. 2020 year, we should just wipe that whole year of college basketball out of existence because nobody – like Kansas missed the tourney, Duke missed the tourney, UNC missed the tourney, we missed the tourney. Like that whole season just simply doesn't count in my eyes. And then what, we come back last year, we have one of the best teams in college basketball, and then we get upset in the tournament. For the first time under Coach Cal, we lost in the first round. Um, to a team that, I mean, of course, it's just St. Peter's and there's no excuse, but they made the Elite Eight, you know what I mean? And this happens. It's part of March Madness. So 
chalking up last year as to being a bad year. It's like, if you look at the regular season as a whole, we were a great team. We, we had some huge wins. We blew out both of the teams that made it to the national championship. So all you got to do is really look at the context surrounding things. And really in all actuality, the 2020 COVID year, and then this year are the only two years in recent memory where we've actually been like not good at basketball. Um, and so that's why I'm kind of in the middle where it's, I don't want to fire Cal yet. And you have, you had a recent tweet actually, um, like right before we started this about, you know, I, I'm along the lines of, I just want to wait and see what next year's team can do. Cause this is a, this is the first time we've had this recruit type of recruiting class in a while. But then your point was like, well, that's a slippery slope because the 24 class could end up being better than the 23 class. So if we go by that logic, we'll have to, if we don't do well next year, then we're gonna have to hang on until the next year. And then it becomes just like a, a constant you know, never ending cycle of just waiting till next year. And I do agree with that. Oh, you're muted. Sorry for the, the people that go. don't like Cal, that's kind of like, I'm sure they're getting annoyed with that. Cause we've been saying that for like five, six years now. And like you said, a lot of it is justified. Just wait till next year, this year and had unfortunate circumstances, just wait till next year. But we, we can only just wait till next year so much. And we're, we're kind of getting there. But I, I genuinely do believe Cal deserves one more year. Um, again, you, you said there are excuses for a lot of things. This year, I don't excuse him. But this is the first year out of 14 that I'm really like, Cal, this is your fault. Like 13, we missed the tournament. But 12, we won the championship. Like, who cares? Like, get over right. yourself. Right. Um, but this year, it's like, just, you, you can't have it. But next year, what what works best with Cal? He's going to have true rim protectors and you got a Kingsley and Aaron Bradshaw a lot of what Cal's defense is like he likes when guards really press up on opposing teams guards and you get steals out of that but sometimes you get beat but when you get beat you have a seven footer there a seven foot one guy that's able to block shots like a Willie Cauley Stein and Anthony Davis like that kind of mold um we don't have that this year we have six eight Oscar Shibwe who doesn't look good on defense at all and even when he does look good on defense he's not a rim protector Aaron Bradshaw and Uganda Kingsley, much better rim protectors. And while I think Case and Wallace and Cyber Wheeler are really good guards at what they do, Wheeler a great playmaker, Wallace just a great all-around player. He's been really good catch-and-shoot threes. They're, they're, neither one of them have looked like guys were like, okay, I could throw the ball to them and they're going to go get themselves a bucket. Dillingham could do that, DJ can do that, Justin could do that. So we have a trio of guys that could get their own buckets and two really good rim protectors. Um... I don't know if I want to see Bradshaw and Uganda playing together, but I think the overall mold of the team better fits what Cal likes to do. So, and plus they're all five-star freshmen, which again fits under what Cal likes to do. So I, I'm going to give him one more year. Um, right. If he fails with that, then it's like, all right, you failed with the seniors, the veterans, the returners. You failed with the five-star freshmen. It, Cal is just your time. But I want to give him one more year. And I know not everyone's going to agree with that, but that's okay. Right. Well, and I just think from a logical standpoint, it does not make any sense to me to look at the potential next year has. Because say, say like, uh, under a hypothetical, he leaves to go to Texas. That whole recruiting class is most likely coming with him. You know, like those guys are following Cal. They're not, they're not, I think Reed Shepard, probably the only guy in the class who will stay committed to Kentucky if Cal leaves. So in with that instance, um, you know, what if he goes to Texas? I mean, they've got some talent on that roster already. You got guys that are going to come back, and then you got that top tier recruiting class. What if we fire Cal and he wins a championship over there? Year one with Texas, like where does that? Where do we stand as a fan base if we push Cal out of town? He goes to Texas and wins a Natty with that squad, which is possible. But there's there, that there is that segment of the fan base who just thinks it is impossible to win anything with Cal at the helm. 
Um, no matter what talent we have, we're going to lose regardless. And I just don't, the last time we had that level of talent on our team, we were a buzzer beater away from making the final four mm-hmm. um, it, with the 2017 Fox team. I think that was the last time you could look at our roster and be like, wow, that that is that level of talent. That was the 2017 Fox team. So we're a buzzer beater away from the final four. If we don't lose that game to UNC, I think that team wins it all. So, you know, I don't know. That's just the way I look at the whole situation. Um, but moving on to the, the, like just – kind of focusing more on this year's team and the issues that we're having this year. You know, there's the rumors floating around about, you know, some deeper issues, some some chemistry issues, guys not getting along. Um, you know, we've all seen all over the place, you know, people talking about Oscar and Severe not getting along, people talking about this, that, and the other. There's all these different rumors floating around, nothing, nothing solidified, but it's obvious that something is missing with these guys chemistry-wise. You can kind of tell the way they are out there on the court. I mean, even at the South Carolina game yesterday, you know, Oscar, we're down and we need some momentum. Oscar gets a steal, goes coast to coast and dunks it. And the just the reactions from his teammates were not on par with what you would expect in a situation like that. Um, so looking at that uh, as, as a deeper issue on this team, um, you know, there's obviously different things to look at there. Um, but what, what, what's your overall viewpoint on that? Yeah, Um it, it's really obvious. I know there's a bunch of people like coming out and being like, there's rumors about this. There's rumors about this. Um, I was one of them. Like I'm, I'm people, I got people in my credible people in my DMS telling me, wow, look what, like, I can't believe what's happening with this team. And it's like, let's just put all the rumors aside and look what we're actually looking at. Like what, what's available. Right. Oscar Shibway after the game went and said, Cal, you should like play the walk-ons instead of some of these guys who just aren't fighting. Yeah. Like yeah, that's that's, that's not something obvious. that's not something that like a really cohesive team says, you know. Right. Like I'm trying to think of like what's a team that like really fit well together? Like the uh like like the the even like the 2014 team which struggled at first. What did, what were they saying? Aaron Harrison said this is going to be a great story. You know, these guys aren't like, yeah, we're losing, but we're going to keep fighting. We're going to keep trying. And this is going to be a great story. And we're going to come back. No, they're saying like our teammates aren't fighting. They need to fight harder. We should play the walk. Like it, it's frustrating. It is. And w- what we see with our own eyes, the quotes that we're hearing in practice, Cal keeps saying more than ever, these players need us. These players need us. You can tell the players are emotionally struggling. Like they're not getting like a true Kentucky basketball experience. Like they're not having fun. They're not happy. And right. when your teammates aren't getting along and they're not having fun and you don't really have a leader on the team, you have better players than others, but I don't think this team has a leader. Like Kaysen is your best freshman, maybe your best NBA talent. He's doesn't seem like a leader to me. Like he's not going to go into practice and be like, all right, this is what we're doing. Right. Oscar's definitely not like that. Wheeler's not like that. I think, Toppin kind of was like that, but he's been struggling so bad. Like, it's hard when your leader is playing so bad because it's like, I don't even want to listen to him because he's not playing good. Right. But it's, it's a mess. Yeah. And I think that, you know, like you said, you know, people want to, people want to crucify certain people for, for not, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't come out and say outright things that aren't yours to say. So all you have to do, you know, Inside information aside, just look at it at face value. Look at what we are seeing with our own two eyes. And like you said, Oscar coming in and, and Oscar is a whole other situation. I mean, a lot of people won't 
a lot of people don't want to put any blame on Oscar because he is like statistically our best player. He's the returning national player of the year. You know, he's one of the most beloved Kentucky basketball players ever. But, you know, there are different there are different other reports of his ego being inflated and him being a, a whole locker room issue in and of himself. And again, there's no there's no hard evidence for that. So nobody's accusing him of anything. But at the same time, you know, that it's it's pretty blatant that, you know, and it's it's understandable that a guy getting as much attention as he has been and getting talked about and being praised as much as he has been is going to see a boost in his in his, uh, you know, view of himself. Um and I mean, even I've I had people in my live today. Again, I don't know the uh, I don't know the, the reality of it. But I had people in my live texting or commenting saying like, "There's been fights in practice, like full blown fights in practice." Don't know don't know the reality of that, whether that's legit or not. But I mean, there's just all these different rumors flying around about different things, and it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, there's a clear chemistry issue. These guys aren't getting along at the level, like you said, of a of a team like when 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 that Aaron Harrison team lost it to South. Carolina and they said this is going to be a great story we haven't heard one of these guys say that yet Cal's been saying that he believes we can turn it around but that's about the extent of the optimism we're seeing it's just it, there's no you got our best player coming out saying that there's no fight and we should play walk-ons and that's you know that is a huge issue um, but I think a secondary issue is maybe that the talent on this roster is not what rosters of the past have been i mean antonio reeves as much as i liked him as coming in as a transfer he was at illinois state for a reason you know what i mean he's he's a senior he's still in college for a reason um cj frederick we expected him to be tyler hero he was never tyler hero he was a solid sharpshooter on iowa like that what he averaged seven points per game over his career at iowa like there was never like the expectations we had for some of these guys coming in i think was too high and then we expected them to fill a role that they're not capable of filling like Antonio Reeves isn't going to replace what Shaden Sharp had would have been on this team like that's just completely that was just not a good expectation to to put on to Reeves because that was never going to happen you know Shaden Sharp is a top 10 NBA pick whereas Antonio Reeves has been in college for four years so I think the talent and the chemistry I think that that's where we need to start looking at things instead of immediately oh this is on coach Cal fire him immediately like because we fire Coach Cal, and then who knows? We have another Gillespie situation, or he goes somewhere else and he does really well. Like at the end of the day, give him one more year, see what happens. Um, and in terms of next year, you know, next year's squad, next year's recruiting class, you know, talk about kind of the, the guys coming in and what you think of them, and maybe who you think from this team could end up coming back. Because honestly, Kaysen and Oscar are probably only two, and and Severe are the only two I could see like realistically leaving next year. Yeah, and go go back to your last point. It's it's you kind of hit it on the head. It's not so much like that we're like asking guys to do too much. We're like forcing them. Like we, Cal really got his hand forced when Shaden left because now we're asking. I I I said it like when we when Kaysen first signed here. I'm like, wow, Shaden's gonna be this guy that just does all the scoring. He's gonna get like 18 points a game, and Kaysen Waltz is gonna be like your DeAndre Liggins. He'll knock down a three. He's gonna be tough. He's gonna be your best defender. But Kaysen Wallace like needs to be like the focal point of the offense for 40 minutes, where he doesn't even have the energy to play defense. Like Antonio Reeves could be like a great like sixth man, like a Darius Miller or even like a Davion Mintz. Right. But now we're asking him like, no, you have to be like the shade and sharp role. And like we have Chris Livingston needing to play the three because we don't have wings. We need Damian Collins to play the four because we don't have fours. We're playing Lance Ware at the four. We're playing guys out of position. We're playing guys out of role. And I think that has a lot to do with it. But that also is kind of Cal's fault because he kind of constructed the roster. Right. And he had a 
in my opinion, a pretty loaded transfer portal. But in terms of next year, I don't think Wheeler's coming back. Um, I don't think Oscar's coming back. I don't think Toppin's coming back. I don't think Kaysen's coming back. Um, I think if what you're looking at, assuming Cal comes back, because if Cal doesn't come back, I don't know if anyone except maybe like CJ or like Adu come back. I really don't know. But even like Adu is a Cal guy. But assuming Cal comes back, um, you have the five freshmen coming in. I would hope we can get, I think the big one would be if we can get Chris Livingston back to play the four because I think he would fit perfectly. Like if you can go Dillingham at the one, DJ at the two, Justin at the three, Livingston at the four, and then Bradshaw and Ugana at the five. I think that that's a great lineup. I he hasn't been great this year, but like CJ Frederick is like an eighth man, still a great shooter, a guy that you can maybe put in 10, 15 minutes to space the floor. I'd like to have him back. Maybe Reeves, maybe Collins, but I think especially with all the locker room problems, like a guy's like Wheeler even though he probably isn't going to go to the NBA, he's not going to the NBA. I don't know if he'd want to come back here. No. And especially when you look at the, you know, Dillingham and DJ coming in, you know, we're looking at a situation where Wheeler could be relegated to the bench. I don't see him being okay with that. I think the likely scenario with Wheeler is he'll either use that COVID year to transfer somewhere else to just Mm -hmm. go put up numbers or he'll just like try to go play overseas or hit the G league if he can. But yeah, I mean, and then Reeves at the beginning of the year said, no matter what, I'm a one and done here. Like I'm not coming. I'm pretty sure he did say at the beginning of the year, he was a one and done regardless of how the year goes for him. So I think Reeves is tired of playing college basketball. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think Livingston coming back and then, you know, we look at our bench, you know, Reed Shepard, Adu Thiero, um, CJ Frederick, like that's a great bench unit. And then plus whoever the backup center ends up being, uh, maybe even Lance Ware. I mean, I don't know what Lance is going to end up doing, Damian Collins. Like, that's going to be an interesting situation because I think Damian, Damian Collins coming into this year, I project – like, I was pumping him up so much. I was saying he's going to turn himself into a lottery pick. I think he has the skills to do that. However, I think I do think that a lot of that got derailed by, obviously, you know, tra- the tragedy hit before the, the season with him. And I think that that – I mean, you got to be mentally locked in to play at a high level, especially here. So I think that that maybe has impacted him – um in a negative way but I do think I still think Damian Collins can be a a, an elite player you know I just think he's still extremely raw and his development got you know stunted a little bit um but Collins and then yeah I mean Livingston we've been saying all year Livingston's a four Livingston's a four and he's you can tell at the three he just doesn't belong there like you can just tell it's he doesn't have a good enough handle on the ball um you know he's he's just he's a four like that's what he is at least at the college level he's a four um, so yeah, I mean that backcourt of Dillingham and DJ has the potential to be, I mean, I don't even 2017, the last time we had a backcourt like that, I mean, maybe maxi and quickly, but it could end up being better than them. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah. It, it's hard to tell because everyone keeps saying like, yeah, they're the best of the 23 class, but the 23 class is weak. I think DJ raises, even as a, a true freshman, he's going to raise your floor while Dillingham's going to raise your ceiling. I think Dillingham is kind of, you know, you can get like a Brandon Knight type player out of him, but you also might get like an Archie Goodwin where he might just turn into more of a chucker instead of like an efficient point guard. I think he's a much better creator than Archie Goodwin. But DJ Wagner, you you know what you're going to get from him. He's a super consistent player. He's been top three in his class since eighth grade. Um and he's not going to make too many mistakes. Also, I forgot about Adu. I'm glad you brought him up. He, I think 
if you're talking about the five freshmen coming in, Adu, maybe CJ coming back, um, Chris coming back would be huge, and then maybe one guy from the portal to fill out a hole if we have one. But that, that that's pretty much what I'd look at. That'd be a pretty good roster, I think. And that's a that is one hundred percent a championship caliber roster. You know, when we look at the the playmaking in the backcourt with both both guys are shot creators, both guys are playmakers, both guys can defend at a. I, I know Wagner can defend. I'm not sure about Dillingham yet, but you know, both of those guys are going to be able to fill you know that backcourt role well. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the rim protection with Onyenso and Bradshaw and then just filling out the rest of the floor. Justin Edwards has the potential to be the best of the of the of the freshman next year. Like Justin Edwards is, you know, number two player in the class by most accounts. So I think he's being overlooked. People are talking more about Bradshaw and Dillingham and DJ than they are Edwards from what I can see. And I think Edwards is going to be maybe the best three we've had since MKG. I mean, I don't want to put the put the, don't want to put those expectations, but we we haven't been signed. We don't we're not known for signing elite threes really outside of like Kevin Knox. Um, so I, I'm excited for Justin Edwards. But we've touched on Coach Cal. We've touched on the deeper issues with this this year's team. We've touched on next year's recruiting class and team. Um, so now moving into a slightly lighter uh, topic. Um, this is just a little more fun. What are your top five favorite Kentucky basketball teams? Not the best, but kind of your favorite teams um, that you've watched in, in your lifetime as a Kentucky fan. All right. Um, number five. And this is going to be crazy because maybe the most talented team is not going to be on there for me. And that's 2015. Um, and that's just because, like, I don't know, I was 13 years old. I was like, in like eighth grade, I was like super into baseball that year. Like I was like really I'm a travel baseball. I just didn't have time to watch the team, um, which sucks because that was a historical year. But in fifth place, give me the 2019 year, um, the Tyler Hero, PJ Washington year. Uh, Should have made the final four, an overtime away from the final four. Um, when they beat Tennessee at home, when they were number one, that was one of like the most fun games ever. They destroyed them. They beat them by like 25. Um, love that team. 2011, that was one of the first teams that really made me fall in love with Kentucky. Now I was a fan a couple years before that, mostly in the Cal era, but 2011 when Brandon Knight hit that huge shot to go up over Ohio state, that was like my first, like, this is March madness moment. Like I was like, wow, like I love college basketball. I love Kentucky basketball. This is great. Third place, 2020. Um, again, kind of a weird one, but that was my freshman year of high school and, or sorry, my freshman year of college. And the only, what now appears to be a successful season that I've had at college because we had the team that lost to St. Peter's. We had the nine and 16 team and we have this team. So 2020 with like quickly and Richards, that was so fun to watch from uh, the student section second place. And I, I go back and forth with one and two really hard, but I'll give number one of the championship team. So number two is 2017 De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk enough said. And 2012 was my favorite team because of the national championship. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that list a lot. I would uh, tend to agree with it in a certain capacity. I think we're pretty similar, um, but my, mine is slightly different. I differentiate slightly. Uh, at, at number five, I have the 1920 uh, Maxi 
quickly team. Uh, we saw the resurgence of junior Nick Richards, you know, going from arguably the worst player on the floor for us in his freshman and sophomore year into being an absolute monster. Uh, you know, you know, that was a that was just one of those success stories that you look back on like so fondly. Like, you know, he he was so frustrating his first two years and then it just clicked that junior year. And he was just one of the best bigs in the entire country quickly winning SEC player of the year. That was a ton of fun. Uh, at number four for me, it's 2016-17 with Ulyss and Murray. That's one of my favorite backcourts. Those guys, you know, Tyler Ulyss, that was his best year. Murray was so so fun to watch. Uh, you know, watching them, you know, our, our, our front court was god awful on that team. And that's why they didn't, you know, Scal obviously didn't pan out. If Scal had played up to his potential, you know, you got that backcourt of Ulyss and Murray, and then you got the number one recruit of Scal down low. My goodness, that team could have done something. I, I really, I think they could have been way better than they were because they i mean that team lost second round to uh indiana i think yeah they? yeah that was a that was a rough one uh, junior but, uh, junior dakari johnson i think is my biggest what if of all time oh man yeah if he was on that team it's over with man i mean if you if you have a what the hell if you have a uh, uh that big strong bruising paint presence in the post um with that backcourt man and i mean because willis was on that team too wasn't he? He started at the four, I think, for us that year. <laughs> Derek Willis and Dominic Dominique Hawkins. That, that was a fun team. You know, it was a deep team outside of the mm-hmm. front court. Marcus Lee was pretty much playing most of the minutes in the front court for us actually, that year. Um, but then third for me is the 2014 team, the Aaron Harrison, Julius Randle team. I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever been more excited in my life than those three game winners in a row that Aaron Harrison hit for us. That was just one of the most exciting like stretches of being a Kentucky fan. Like when, when he hit the shot against Michigan, man, I, I, I probably ran around my house for, for 15 minutes straight after that. That was just one of, one of my favorite memories as a Kentucky fan. And then I, I agree at number two, you know, the Fox team, Fox monk, bam, that was so fun watching Malik monk just straight up burn UNC two times that year. Uh, you know, obviously we lost in the in the Elite Eight to him, but he, he went crazy that game as well. But that, that one game where he dropped 47 in the regular season, one of the best single game performances that I can remember. And then Fox was one of the most exciting players we've ever had. And then, of course, I mean, number one, I feel like number one for most fans has to be the 2012 team catching lobs. You know, they were they were doing everything, man. I mean, they, they were running through everyone undefeated, um, you know, just pummeling everybody i remember when west virginia thought they had a chance and those guys were talking so much crap and then we beat them by 40 and i don't know if that was a sweet 16 in the second round but that was yeah that was that was a fun team um oh my goodness what am i talking about am i on the wrong squad right now i'm over here talking about the 2012 team and the 2015 team at the same time i just all blur dude i just got completely (laughs) turned around what am i talking about 2012 team that won the championship is my favorite squad. They were running through everybody. They were still running through everybody. It, it all applied until I got to the tournament, but I, I don't know what just happened there. I just completely, completely got mixed up. But anyway, 2012 team, Anthony Davis catching lobs, throwing lobs, Deron Lamb hitting every three he took. Um, that was my favorite team. That was embarrassing. I'm not even going to lie to you. Moving on to our final topic of the day. I wanted to briefly touch on Kentucky football next season. Obviously, we're smack dab in the middle of basketball season right now, and that's obviously on our minds, you know, at the forefront of our minds. Um, But, I mean, looking at next year, getting Liam Cohen back, you know, we got that official announcement. You know, Devin Leary, 
number one quarterback in the portal before Sam Hartman entered, I think. So now he's number two, but still, I mean, in, incredible quarterback could end up being a better college quarterback than Levis. I think that's almost a guarantee really. And then, uh, you know, returning Barry on Brown on that offense. And, and that's just the offense. The defense is completely stacked as well. Um, you know, we just landed five star, former five-star Keyshawn Silver from North Carolina to replace Justin Rogers. So kind of w- what do you think about Kentucky football next season? Uh, just briefly touch on them, just kind of talk about, you know, how you think the offense is going to be, what you think about the defense, and kind of just like, uh, I don't know, pinpoint what our strengths are going to be and kind of how you think the game, season's going to go. Yeah, first of all, I, I kind of had an embarrassing moment too. Somehow I forgot about the 2014 team. I'm not sure where that is on there, but it's definitely top five. Probably not top three. It's probably four or five. I don't know how I forgot about Julius Randle and all those Aaron Harrison shots. I literally brought it up early on the podcast. Yeah. But anyways, no, it's um, I like I think you killed it. Like I think with Leary and the offense and Cohen and the weapons, uh, I don't know if he's like actually a better quarterback, but I think the production is going to be better because like Leary is, I feel like what a college, he fits the college game better. He's just going to be able to get the ball in Barry and Brown and Dayton Key's hands. You know, we don't need one or two NFL throws a game from him. Like we got from Will Levis, but he'll probably also make less mistakes. Um, and Liam Cohen just going to run a better offense than Rich Cangrello. And that's not too debatable. <laughs> um, the run game's questionable. You know, I think I remember going into like this season, I was like, okay, we don't have a Wandale, but we have like a much deeper uh, wide receiver room. And then we found out the wide receiver room wasn't as good this year because we really did miss a Wandale. That's kind of how I feel about the running back room. It's like, okay, yeah, we got probably Ramon Jefferson back, Jatan McClain, uh, maybe Lavelle Wright. Um, We got Ray Davis coming in. We're probably going to get Jamarian Wilcox on tomorrow, hopefully. Um, we don't have a Chris Rodriguez, so the run game kind of questionable, but I think the passing game is going to take a huge leap. Um, offensive line should be better, but I'm not sure if I'm ready to call it a strength yet. Again, it can't be worse, but I don't know right. if it'll be a strength. The <laughs> right. defense, I think, and it sucked that guys like Square and Jones um, and Weaver were hurt all year, but it allowed guys like Trevin Wallace and Derek Jackson, uh, Keaton Wade to get a lot of reps. So I, I think our linebacking crew is really talented. And while they're young, they also got like real reps against SEC teams. Like they were playing against Florida and, or not Florida, like Ole Miss and Tennessee and Georgia. So they, they got real SEC reps. So I think they're going to both be experienced and talented next year. And um, the depth in our secondary is insane. Like I don't even know where we're going to put Vito yet. But yeah. we got Jordan Lovett. And we got, uh, I'm trying to think who else is coming back. We got the two defensive back transfers. We got a four-star and Avery Stewart coming in. Um, And, yeah, like, where where do we put Afari at? Is he a nickel back? Where do we put Vito? The secondary is super deep. And I, that's not something we were saying this year, or at least going into this year. But we rebuilt that secondary in a hurry. So, shout out to Stupid School. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I mean, think about it. You, you talked about Jones and Square were injured for a good portion of the year. You talked about how Weaver was out for a good portion of the year. We still finished statistically the number one defense in the in the SEC. So that is mm-hmm. like that is a testament, I think, to the talent we have, the depth we have. And a guy like Trevin Wallace, DeAndre Square is one of my favorite ever, one of my favorite Kentucky Wildcats ever. But 
Trevin Wallace is, I think, leagues more talented in terms of like a, a an NFL caliber guy. Like he is that dude is going to play on Sundays. Like it's it's not even debatable at this point. Keaton Wade returning for his second year. Deion Walker down in the trenches. That dude is gonna mm-hmm. Deion Walker is gonna be potentially the best D lineman we've ever had. Like that guy is a freak. He is unbelievable. And then you add Keyshawn Silver right next to him, who's also pretty much the same size as him. And now you've got two of the biggest guys in the trenches down there uh, causing havoc. And then in terms of Afari, I've actually thought about it a little bit. I think he did take some edge rushing reps this year. And I think Alex Afari, maybe, you know, if we slide Vito in at Nickelback, I think maybe Afari could be an edge rusher, you know, and, and it could be him and Keaton taking turns on one side and then Weaver on the other side. Um, I think that that could end up happening with Afari. I don't know if they like him better in coverage or better as a, you know, a rusher, but I mean, the, the talent on that defense is monumental. I think we could end up with one of the more talented defenses we've ever had next season. Like you said, Jansen Dunn from Ohio State, J.Q. Hardaway. Those are both former four stars um, coming in to transfer. Zion Childress caught fire at the end of the year. He's coming back. I think Jalen Geiger should be back. Um, you know, so Jay, Jordan Lovett was unbelievable this season. I think he led the team in tackles or was among the top tacklers. Um I'd say the biggest questions really for me is the kicking game. You know, Ruffalo struggled at times this year. I mean, he, but the whole kicking unit did the whole special teams unit was, was bad. And now Ruffalo's gone. So do we go Jackson Smith? Do we go, I think we signed a kicker in this class. Uh, does chance poor move to kicker, like to field goal kicker. I think that's a big question. And we saw this year how important that unit is, you know, people don't think about it, but that unit is extremely important and we haven't really had any consistent greatness since Austin McGinnis left. Um, and then at least the way I feel about the offense, I, Leary won't be like a more talented quarterback, but like you said, production wise, I, I think, you know, 20, 2021 before his injury um, this year, you know, he threw for 3,500 yards, 35 touchdowns, five interceptions. The guy was one of the most productive quarterbacks. He was a Heisman hopeful coming into this year. Um, and I think he had NFL draft stock, you know, that was there after that 2021 season. So I'm excited to see him. I mean, he's going to have more weapons at Kentucky next year than he did at NC state, like Barry on Brown, Dane key, Tavion Robinson being utilized in Liam Cohen's system. Those, you know, Dingle and Caddis O-line is still a concern. I think because we really, we added two guys onto a O-line that is, that was the worst in power five. We added two guys bulls who was a rotation guy at Bama. I like him. I don't know if he's going to be as good as people think they look at, Oh, he's an Alabama transfer. He's going to be elite. Like, I don't know if that's going to be the case. We'll see. I like Marcus Cox a lot, but I don't know. I mean, what are we going to do on the right end? Especially if, I mean, Keontae Goodwin's gone um, or most likely gone. I don't know. But, uh, you know, what are we going to do on the right end? Because Marcus Cox is the left the left tackle, but is our right tackle going to be? Is it going to be a Wollabaugh? Is it going to be uh, – is Flax going to come back? I mean, Flax was arguably taken advantage of every single game. So, um, O-line, I think, is our probably our biggest concern. Yeah, and it, with it being our biggest concern last year and putting in with pieces we aren't 100% sure of, it it's obviously going to be our biggest concern. But again, I I like what Liam's going to be able to do. I'm, I'm glad you brought up Tavian Robinson. I think he's super underrated. A lot of people forget we brought him in to be like wide receiver one this year. Right. Like He was supposed and, to take the Wandale role. Yeah. And we we heard a lot like he didn't get along with Rich. Um, he was hurt a lot of the year, and I just don't – I don't think – I think people are expecting him to be wide receiver three behind Dane and Barion, and I think Barion's the best talent on this team, but I, I think Tavion might be 1A, 1B with Barion. I don't think people are ready for Tavion to do that, 
I also am super high on Shamar Porter. I think he was gonna. I think he's gonna be better as a true freshman than Dane was this year. I think oh, he's wow. closer to Barian than Dane. Um, super, super high on him. So wide receivers, I, I think, is stacked. Again, I'm just excited for the team. Um, kind of feels like basketball. It's like we're coming off a rough year and we're so ready for the next one already. Um, but there, there's a bunch of new young players coming in. We're excited for them and we're hoping next year is going to be different. Um, but but it looked like Stoops did a lot of the things he had to to at least get me excited. And we'll see. The schedule's super tough next year. I think like even like an eight and four season is, would be very successful. Um, yeah. nine and three would be fantastic and if we're talking 10 wins that that that's incredible um but i i think this could be a really good year for kentucky football yeah and i think kentucky fans went through so much this year i mean we've been going through a lot you know but this season in particular football was you know just a massive disappointment compared to the preseason hype and then basketball obviously being as rough as it has been i think we have an opportunity next year to see both sports, both both programs take a take a step forward and kind of emerge from the ashes a little bit. I think the the football team has the potential to be way better than it was this year, especially offensively. And then, uh, you know, the basketball team bringing in all that talent. So I think Kentucky fans should be excited. Um, you know, there needs to be more optimism. You know, there needs to be more sunshine pumped into this <laughs> into this fan base right now. And I think looking forward to next year in both sports, both football and basketball, both teams have the opportunity to to kind of just put us at ease a little bit and, and have successful seasons and do what we need them to do to, to get back to not being up in arms, walking through the streets with pitchforks, calling for everybody's jobs. So I'm, I'm really hoping that that ends up being the case uh, next season. Um, very excited for that. So Matt, that, that makes uh that makes up for all our topics of the day. I uh, really appreciate you coming on. Um, it was a good conversation and, uh, I was a little bit scrambled today, uh, for the, for the watchers. Uh, it's like I said, first time back in a while, uh, definitely pretty rusty. Um, but I think, you know, good conversations, good, good things to touch on. And just as a whole, I think, you know, the fan base we're up in arms for good reason, but at the same time, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, with basketball, we are Kentucky basketball. We will reemerge at some point. Um, you know, we will be back to where we need to be. So just stay firm, stay firm with these teams. Um, and then Matt, you know, go, you can go ahead and, you know, just, uh, plug whatever you've got going for you, you know, Twitter handle and all that and, and podcast, uh, whatever, whatever it is you want to plug, feel free. Yeah. It, like you said, it, things aren't good right now, but it is not illegal to be optimistic. You are not forced to be miserable. You're not forced to argue with other fans on no reason for no reason, um, it, it's okay to say, yeah, things aren't good right now, but I'm still a Kentucky fan. I still love my teams. There's a lot to be hopeful for moving forward. Um, and I get if you're upset right now, but we, we're still BBN, still got to support our boys, still got to support our squads. That's what makes us the best fan base. Um, but yeah, at Matt Sack BBN on Twitter. Um, I write for catscoverage.com and I host and co-host the podcast, uh, Courtside Connect and Rup to No Good. Um, you could probably find those on my Twitter. Probably the best way to find me. But uh, go go check go check out Kentucky Calvary. I see him putting work on Twitter all the time. I've been following him for a minute, but he also does great work on TikTok and obviously the podcast that you're listening to right now. So I'm I'm glad you 
we finally got to do this. I know we've been trying to get this done for a minute, but had a great time. And hopefully the fan base feels better after listening to us talk some. <laughs> Certainly hope so. Well, I, once again, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here. I know you're a busy guy. Um, so definitely appreciate the conversation. Hopefully we can do this again someday and I'll be a little bit uh, smoother with it. But uh, <laughs> all right, you guys, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, go cats. Let's stay happy and we're going to be all right.